be a good daddy. And a lot of you haven't had a good daddy, but that does not stop you from being a good daddy. for father welcome to brothers of the word because brother you need the word and there was a man in court and he was in court for non-payment of child support and as he was sitting there the mother of his five children stood up And she said, Your Honor, I've been having a hard time. I'm struggling trying to take care of these five little kids all by myself. And I'm I'm working three jobs and I'm sweating night and day. Your Honor, I'm just having a hard time. And she talked on and on about the struggles that she was having rearing these five children without a man and without support. And it got to the judge so much, tears just started flowing down his eyes. And he said, lady, lady, I am going to make sure that you get $500 each and every week. And the father sat there and he popped up. He said, well, judge. He said, that's mighty nice of you, and I'm going to see if I can throw in a couple of dollars a week myself. (laughs) These are the last words of the Old Testament, the very last words of the Old Testament. And after God spoke these words, the Bible was silent for 400 years. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So of all of the stuff in the Old Testament, all of the miracles and all of the prophets and all of this, that and the other, all of the wars and the kings, of all of the things of the Old Testament, God says at the final closing sentence of the Old Testament that I will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers or else I will strike the earth with a curse. Now, you all do know God keeps his word. He said, I'm going to turn the daddies back to the children and the children to the daddies, or else I'm going to strike the earth with a curse. And then you wonder, why didn't God say that he would turn the hearts of the mothers to the children? The Bible does not answer that question, but if I had to surmise and if I had to just logically figure out why, I would say it's because the hearts of the mothers never left the children. Even now, the vast majority of times, it's rare to find a mother who will abandon the children. Fathers will do it all day long, but usually every time you see a mother who abandons the children, she's on drugs. I mean, usually she is literally out of her mind for a mama to leave. There's something that is innate. That's why I remember when I was a little boy, I was in the country and I picked up a little chick, you know, a baby chicken. 
And what I didn't, I saw the chicken running around the yard, a little bit of chick. I picked up the chick. What I didn't realize is mama chicken was there. And that chicken, that hen came after me, lit on me. I was running out of the yard just hollering, and this chicken on my back just pecking me. The rooster was nowhere around. But mama hen was there. So there is something innate about the nature of mama. A mama got to be high. A mama got to be strung out. A mama has to be on drugs to leave her children, but not daddy. Daddy will be just as sober. Daddy will be just as strong. Daddy will have plenty of money. Daddy will walk out of the door and not look back. So God says, as the very last words of the Old Testament, I will turn the father's hearts back to the children, and I will turn the children's hearts to the or else I will strike the earth with a curse. Now, I am in the middle of another series, but I'm just led to pause that series for today and deal with another subject placed in my spirit. And it comes from Pastor James and myself as we were going over a subject and and our business has done extremely well. It's just been exploding, just been taking off. And and I reached the point really of where God says you've reached a point now where you're at your limit and you can't take any more money into your household. And, and James and I was talking, his income is shot way up through the roof. And both of us were saying, basically, I was telling, look, it's really nothing else I have to buy. I've never been a person that had a whole lot of fancy material needs. I don't have any fancy jewelry. I don't have any fancy watches. I don't wear any name brand clothes. I just don't have a whole lot of fancy needs in terms of material. I said, the only thing I really want, I want a self-driving convertible. That's the only thing I want because I travel a lot now because I've changed my activity schedule. So I travel a whole lot in places within five or six hundred miles. I may drive. And to be honest, I don't like to drive. And I like the convertible because it gives me the sun and the wind. But there's no car on the market that is a self-driving convertible. I said, that's the only thing I want. That's the only thing I don't have. I want a self-driving convertible. Well, I ordered the car three days ago. Now, it's not a self-driving convertible. It's a Tesla. Tesla has the most advanced autopilot system on the market, so it's the best self-driving car on the market, but it's not a convertible. So I got to buy the car and have it converted into a convertible. So that's what I'm in the process of doing. So I ordered the car yesterday. When it gets here, I'm shipping it to California, having it converted to a convertible. It's going to be the most expensive car by double of anything I've ever bought. And God has been dealing with me with just that. Because he said, look, you can buy what you want to buy. He said, I can't tell most folk that because you ain't going to go crazy with this thing. And I'll tell you now, if you're going to buy an expensive car, you need to be able to pay for it cash. Now, I can buy my car cash. I ain't going to pay cash for it, but I can. (laughs) So you know you're in good shape when you can buy anything and you can pay for it cash without having to get it financed. But anyway, I was telling Pastor James that, and I said, that's the only thing I want. I got everything else in the world I want. There's nothing else material. I was thinking about buying an airplane once. I'm glad I didn't buy that. I don't want any more boats. I don't have two boats. I don't want any of that stuff. I don't want any more houses. I don't want anything else. All I want is a self-driving car. And if I had the little device in my Miata, if I could turn that into a self-drive, I would do that, but it just won't convert. And I've tried every other option on it. There's nothing I can do but buy that Tesla, cut the roof off, and make it into a convertible. So... 
I was telling Pastor James that, and Pastor James said, he said, well, to be honest, I just got everything material I want because I don't travel that much. And I don't need a self-driving car because they ain't going nowhere. (laughs) And he said, the only thing I really want right now, he says, I want all of my children to get good spouses. And today I just want to speak to you from one single word. And that word is father. Now today is not Father's Day. This will make a good Father's Day message, but God don't give a hoot about man's holidays because that's not a biblical holiday. Man made it up just to bring in money like he did with Mother's Day and all that other stuff. That's not a biblical holiday. So even though today is not Father's Day, it's what God has me talking about, just fathers. Do you realize that if you go to prison and if you do a survey in prison, you find that over 80% of every man in prison lacked a father in their life. There's something happens, but they had a mama, but they just didn't have a daddy. There's something that happens when daddy is not there. That's why God says, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children or else I'm going to bring a curse on the land. And God didn't necessarily have to bring the curse. He knows when the heart of the father is not with those children, something happens in that household. So God understood that. God knew that. And see, the daddy is necessary because mama won't be as tough as necessary. Do you know I don't believe Jesus would have ever been sacrificed had it been up to Mary? That just wouldn't have happened. You want me to do what? You want me to sacrifice my son without sin for all these Negroes doing all this sinning? Not today. Mary would not have done that. And that's why when you read other sources in terms of other auxiliary material in the Bible, when you deal with Abraham and Sarah, Abraham, when he took Isaac up to be sacrificed, it killed his mama. Mama would have never sent that boy up there to get sacrificed. There are some things it takes a man to do. And women just not going to do it. I remember I was at a conference and it was a youth conference. And, and the speaker got up and he said, let me tell you the difference. He said, mamas want their sons comfortable. Daddies want them to be worth a blank. And he's just as right as he could be. I know with my father, my father was a tough man. He loved us, but daddy was just tough. And see, even with Jesus, Jesus He obeyed when his mother asked him about that wine at that party and they'd run out of wine. He obeyed, but he told his mama, mama, it ain't my time. But when it came to everything else he did, he said, I can do nothing except what I see my daddy do. Now, I'll tell you right now, my wife and I, we have four boys, ages from 25 all the way down to 16. And I am just as proud and I love those boys to death. When I see them all standing together, they just as big and strong like their daddy. It just make me just feel just I'm so overwhelmed with pride and love with my sons. But I understand there's a difference between a daddy's love and a mama's love. And sons need a daddy. It's just as simple as that. I want them to succeed. I want them to do great things. But I remember the words of my father. And my father told me, he said, son, all I really care about you being is a gentleman. And he told me that, but he also taught us. He taught us his three dominant principles, God first, family second, business third. And then he taught us his second three dominant principles, which is be honest, work hard and keep good company. 
So today I stand to you as a father because as I get older, as I see my boys growing up, it becomes a desire where it's not so much of what you want. It's what you want for your children. My brother, Bishop Dale, he actually contacted me about seven to ten days ago. And he said, Nathaniel, there's a book I think you need to read. And the book is called The Intentional Father. And I just finished the book. And I want you to play the excerpt that I pulled from the book. Some of you all are going to recognize this particular segment of the book based on something that I went through recently. So if you would, play the audio from the book, The Intentional. The second part of this liminal year is a father-son pilgrimage. For our pilgrimage, Nate and I decided to hike the Camino de Santiago. Pause it for just a second. His sons, the fellow who wrote the book, has one son. That son's name is Nate. So start it over again. Play this. See, there's no accident in life. Everything has an orchestration. It has a timing. There's no accident in life that Dale called me just to read this book. And when I read it, and I'd never heard of anybody else going on this trip, but go ahead and and start it over and play it again. The second part of this liminal year is a father-son pilgrimage. For our pilgrimage, Nate and I decided to hike the Camino de Santiago when he had returned from his travels. The Camino, also known in English as the Way of St. James, is a pilgrimage ending in the northwestern Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela that people have been taking for hundreds of years. And it is done not just for religious reasons, but also for personal clarity. Some people who hike the Camino are carrying the ashes of a loved one or are trying to work their way emotionally through some kind of difficulty. I've had several friends who hike the trail and can barely share their experiences without fighting back tears. It's a 500-mile hike. Our plan was to spend a month completing the Camino, and during that month, we would recap everything he had learned on this path into manhood, as well as what he'd learned on his gap year travels. It would be him and me on a pilgrimage, a physical representation of the journey he had been on. During this trip, we had a daily discussion about the principles he had learned, the things he needed to process, and the path ahead. The trip ended up facilitating some of the greatest moments of my life, and we bonded at the primal level. That summer, Spain encountered a historic heat wave. Neither of us will forget walking 20 miles through the mountains in 105-degree heat, or the blisters that became holes in my heels. This trip was the culmination of six years of time together, and it's something both of us will carry in our hearts. Think through what this might look like for you and your son. Some people plan a weekend trip to see a sports game. Some go on extended wilderness treks. Whatever you do, beware the soul-sucking voice of reason. Make this trip unreasonable. People should be asking, who does that? Who takes a month and hikes across a country? It will be worth it. Every time you make an excuse, you conspire with mediocrity. The window of willingness may close in this season. Seize it while it's open. I know that many of you are wondering, how will I ever afford this? I am a pastor and not at a church that teaches the prosperity gospel. Our vocation isn't known for the size of the salary. But with discipline and planning, this trip came together. And looking back, I have zero regrets at the sacrifices to make it happen. Plan now. Save now. Automate this trip into a special account so you don't even have to think about it. When Nate and I reached the end of our father-son pilgrimage on the Camino, 
We stayed in a house on the beach, and it felt like we were at the edge of the world. The setting was heaven on earth, blue skies and green trees, and this beautiful stretch of beach that was sheltered in a cove. We walked down an ancient path lined with old stone walls, all the way to the rocky shore. There I read letters to Nate written by men who had been part of this long journey, men who had words for him of celebration and blessing. I also went through a blessing ceremony I had designed for him. He walked out into the sand in his swimsuit. He glanced back at me once, saluted, then ran into the water. When he came walking back out, I shouted out to him, A man emerges from the ocean. Who is this man? It was my son who had walked the ancient path from adolescence into adulthood with his head held high and his heart full of life. Now, as you know, last July, my oldest son, who is also named Nate, walked the El Camino. We didn't just walk the El Camino. I had him read books or listen to books, rather, while we walked. He listened to 10 books. These are the titles of the 10 books he listened to. Why A students work for C students and B students work for the government. A random walk down Wall Street. Doing good better. Never split the difference. A whole new mind. How to think. How to win friends and influence people. The alchemist. The richest man in Babylon and the effective executive. That trip wasn't easy, but it takes a man to take a son on a pilgrimage and on a journey. It takes a father. And I remember even with my second son, Josie's, I remember we were in Orlando and Josie's was a real skinny baby. He was a real skinny young child. And I remember seeing Josie's running along the sidewalk And when I saw him running along the sidewalk, it just sent a chill through me because I said to myself, this child could fall. That was how a parent felt. This child could fall. But a father said, in order to learn to run, this child must fall. And my wife was saying, you need to stop running. Sweetheart, let him run. He might fall. But in order for him to learn to run, he must fall. And I remember so much in my life of my daddy, and I remember him warning me about things. I remember particularly that we were in Savannah. I was on my bicycle, and my daddy told me, Son, I wouldn't ride that bike in that sand because it's slippery. You all know what happened. (laughs) I remember I was in college, and I was working in college, and I had my own money, and I told my daddy I wanted to buy a boat. My daddy says, son, I wouldn't recommend doing that because that boat going to cost you a whole lot of money that you're not figuring on. I'm telling you, I bought the boat. (laughs) You all know what happened. My brother Bernard and I, we went into the music business, and as we were going into the music business, I talked with my daddy about it, and my daddy says, son, to be honest, I wouldn't recommend that you do that because more likely you're going to lose money. It's going to cost you a lot of time and effort. I wouldn't recommend you all do that. You all know what happened. (laughs) Daddy knew from wisdom some things that would be, but he also knew there were points when we had to fall in order to learn to run. 
And I have to go through that same thing with my children. And then I realized our heavenly father has to go through that same thing with us. It's why he gives us free will. It's why he doesn't force us to do some things. And he tells us in his word and in his wisdom the ways to go. But sometimes we just got to ride the bicycle through the sand. We just got to buy the boat. We just got to do some things and bust our head and learn the hard way Daddy knew what he was talking about. We have to learn the hard way. God knew what he was talking about. And in truth, for those of us who are fathers, we really want to rear our sons to be like Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, they will not generally be like Jesus. They will be like us. Because children see us. And they emulate the daddy, and sometimes they can't even help it. They become what they see. I knew I was talking about my boys about I'm getting ready to get another car. This is what I'm going to get. I can't find anything else but this. This is what daddy going to have to do. The minute I ordered my car, they come talking about they want another car. <laughs> and it comes from seeing the daddy. So they will follow what daddy does, good or bad, So even though we may want them to be like Jesus, the reality is they become like us. So fathers, you have to turn your hearts to the children or else God says he will smite the earth with a curse. And I heard Gerald even on his render my money on this last Friday. And he talked about not just money, but he talked about the same order of stuff that my father taught us. So we learn from our daddies. We learn from mamas, but there's something about them daddies with boys. We spend a lot of time with our mother. We rather talk with our mama because mama was easy. Daddy was another level. And I remember when George, who was seven years old, came to me. He said, Daddy, I need to talk with you about some stuff. And before he started, he said, look, I know I can talk with mama. And mama will tell me stuff that's nice, but you're going to tell me the truth. Daddies. It's what it takes to build a man out of iron. And daddies will sometimes know they got to take you through some tough paths in order to take you where you need to go. The book talked about now we have man-agers. And a man-ager is a big grown man who has grown physically and he's grown chronologically. He's a man-ager. He's grown in age and he's grown in body, but he's a teenager in mind and spirit. And we got a lot of Older men, and they're man-agers. They got the body of a man, but the mind of a teenager. And we have to be fathers. We have to be fathers. We have to be fathers. And the book talked about every father needs to send his children through an anointing ceremony. And I remember my mother actually set this up with my dad. She says, I want you, she told my dad, I want you to anoint all of your children. And I remember we were in the chapel in Cottonwood. I remember, I was 30-something years old. And I remember my daddy laying his hand on me and prophesying and speaking things into my life. And I said, I've spoke things into my son's life, but we've never had an official ceremony. So I'm going to start planning that where we're going to have an official ceremony. Where I'm going to put all on my son's head. I'm going to lay hands on. I'm going to pronounce blessing over them because the blessing flows from that daddy, particularly on the sons. Father, and I will turn the hearts of the fathers 
back to the children or else I will smite the earth with a curse. I want to read a mountain wings issue concerning this. Now, can you all see what this is? Somebody holler it out. It's a five dollar bill and it's a mountain wings issue called five dollars. My eight year old son, Josie's handed me five dollars as I sat down to eat dinner. Josie's had recently earned fifteen dollars. He had been carrying the three five dollar bills with him constantly. It was his entire earthly monetary stash. Daddy, this is for being a real good father to L. Christian George and me. Josie said as he smiled and handed me the five dollars and walked away. I mumbled thanks. It caught me off guard. I was not expecting a child to part with a third of his fortune for such a reason. I will treasure that five dollars until the day that I die because there is nothing that I can buy for five dollars or any amount that's worth more. Do you owe anyone perhaps a token of appreciation or a little child shall lead you? I'll never forget that five dollars because there's nothing I can do as a man any more important than imparting into children what needs to be imparted. And I only have sons. And right now, many of you know, my third son, Christian, he's a daddy now. So now I'm not just a daddy, I'm a granddaddy. But the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, which means if I consider myself to be a good man, I have to leave an inheritance not just for Christian, I have to leave an inheritance for Noah. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but everything that my daddy poured into me, I have to pour into my sons, and Christian now will have to pour it into his son. And the rest of my sons, they'll have to pour it into their sons. And sometimes life doesn't appear to you to come under the most ideal of circumstances. But yet they are circumstances. And you got to deal with those circumstances. And if you got a child, no matter what the circumstances, you have to be a daddy. God says if you don't, there's a curse on the whole earth. That's the last thing he said. So when you look at the first and the last thing in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The father created everything. And in the end, what he said was, if you don't put your hearts to them children, I'm going to put a curse on the earth. That's what he opened with. That's what he closed with. Father created everything. The child that you created, you need to turn your heart towards them. This is not a message for the ladies. It's a message for the, not the managers, but the men. Not the men agers or the man agers, but the men. This is a message for the men, for the father. And there are some of you, if you've stepped up, you've been a daddy, and there's some of you, you ain't. And God says, you don't turn your hearts towards those children. I will bring a curse on this earth. And then he shut up for 400 years. And see, Malachi, we talk about the tithe all day long. That's in Malachi. If you don't tithe, you know, you curse with a curse. We talk about that all day long. We don't talk about the very last thing God said. If you don't turn your hearts to those children, I'm going to bring a curse on the earth. And God keeps his word. So people, I just tell you today, he has blessed 
many of you to be parents, to be fathers. It is a significant responsibility without question. I have seen my son Christian now, and I asked him, could I tell his story? He said, well, you can go and say what you want to say, but Christian is not married. The mother of the child, they're not married. Most of y'all are going to know that anyway, so I'm just going to tell you, because y'all don't talk about it anyway, so you, ain't no sense trying to just fool folk by stuff. And I'll tell you what happened when Christian, we were driving one day, and, and actually we were going off the truck, and Christian said, Dad, I got something I need to tell you. And when he told me, I knew what it was. How do you? Because a daddy in tune with him, so I knew what it was. He said, Daddy, my girlfriend is pregnant. And when Father hears that, I went into prayer because I've been a young man myself. And to be honest, God has watched over me. He watched over me something serious, like, woo, woo. I can't even begin to tell you how much God watched. He protected me. He, like, put a hedge around me that that was just protection. And I asked God, I said, Lord, why didn't you protect Christian like you protected me? And his answer was deep. He says, I am protecting Christian. And see, sometimes you'll think thing is one, but I've seen the change in him. I've seen the responsibility. I've seen him just man up. He's loved that child and taking case, taking the woman. Every, he's been there every second of the day. I had to bring him some food at the hospital when the baby was being delivered because he wouldn't leave and he'd been there 48 straight hours. And he wouldn't even leave to go get him something to eat. Man up! Turn your hearts towards these children and be a man. Or else God says, I will smite the earth with a curse. And God knew. There are no accidents of circumstance. And you don't know what God is doing in your life. And you take what God has given you and you work with that. And you do what you're supposed to do. Because all of us going to go through some stuff that society is not going to like. There's just no, they're going to talk about stuff, all kind of stuff. They're going to talk about you if you ain't married. And let me tell you, they're going to talk about you if you're all married. Folks, they're going to talk about you one way or another. Now, it's an ideal way to do some things, but sometimes there's stuff that happens. You just deal with stuff the best you can, and you do what you are supposed to do. And that's the issue that we have a lot of time. We just don't do what we are supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're going to go off track. Yeah, you may make some mistakes of what you think are mistakes. That's going to happen. Do what you are supposed to do. And you'll find when you do that, life will have a blessing with you that's not that curse. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, or else I will smite the earth with a curse. And I believe that thing is individual. And sometimes it is corporate because as African-Americans, we suffer a whole lot of them curses. But daddy gone. And you find every one of them curses correlates statistically heavy with daddy being gone. And not only if daddy gone, the thing perpetuates. And not only will he be gone, but now that son, he going to be gone. And that son going to be gone. And that son going to be gone. And that, and that thing, that's what you call them generational curses. Break it. Turn your hearts back to the children, lest you, the earth, be cursed with a curse. One of the greatest blessings that you can have is to have a good daddy. So I'm telling the men today, be a good daddy. And a lot of you haven't had a good daddy, but that does not stop you from being a good daddy. We had one of the best daddies in the world, but some of the stuff my daddy did, I vowed I just wasn't going to do. One thing my daddy did, he would curse my daddy getting mad, boy, he would let out some words. He would curse. 
I mean, pressure be on him. He coming in and he says, son, sometimes I just have to say a few words for emphasis. He be emphasizing. All right. <laughs> Woo. And I said to myself, I'm never going to curse around my children. So there were some things that I wanted to improve on what my dad, I'm pretty sure Pastor James and Pastor C, Pastor C. Elijah, if your kids ever heard you curse, Pastor James, if your kids ever heard you curse, have we heard our dad do a little cursing? Woo, I mean a lot of it. A lot of it. So we heard our father do that, and that was a part of him. No man is perfect. God does not expect perfection out of you. What he does expect out of you is for you to do what you can do. And if you mess up, straighten it up. Nobody expects you to be perfect, but if you mess up, straighten it up. So I saw some things that my daddy didn't do right, and I said, I'm just not going to do that. But I saw a whole lot of stuff my daddy did do right. And you could see the results of his fruit. And he always said, I don't judge folk, I'm just a fruit inspector. You can see the results of his fruit. So I admonish those men among you now, and those who are fathers or potential fathers, Turn your hearts. And it's not just your heart. Where your heart wills, there your treasure will be also. That's why I began with the story of the man sitting in that courtroom, not supporting his children. Where your heart is, your treasure will be there also. These kids are expensive. You see all these big, strong boys I got? They got good appetites. <laughs> they have really good appetites. The kids are expensive, but where your heart is, when the fathers turn their hearts towards the children, their money's going to flow towards the children. Wherever your heart is, there will be your treasure also. Father. We have a heavenly father who has to let us run and fall. Who has to let us experience some things of where we will go the wrong track and, and we will bust our heads and, and we'll make some mistakes and we'll get all twisted up. But he, we, we go through that stuff just like an earthly father has to do. Some things my daddy knew we were messing up with. But he said, I got to let them learn. God looks down on his children and he said, I know they're messing up. I don't told them they're messing up, but I have to let them learn. So men, I tell you this, this one word, learn, learn. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake one time. I can guarantee you this. I never fell in that sand again. So there are some things when you learn, you learn. And if you don't learn the lesson, you keep repeating the lesson. And you know you've learned the lesson when the things stop repeating. Men, be a father. Be a father. Be a father. So that when your child has $15, he can bring you a five and say, thank you, daddy, for being a good daddy. Amen. Let's get past another hand for that awesome message that's needed. Amen. This was a much needed message. You don't hear a lot about fatherhood today. And it's also interesting that this was a conversation we were having about two weeks ago. Another thing I found interesting that our Heavenly Father, what He heard us say that we wanted, pastor was able to find his car and on that very same day that he ordered his car one of my children I was praying for they began dating a godly person that was high quality on the very same day so the thing that we both asked for we got manifestations within a week or so on the very 
same day. So the lesson in it also is watch your words. Be careful on the things that you even desire because you just may get an answer. So make sure that you're asking for the right thing and watch your words of your mouth because we both got what we said to each other on the very same day about a week later. And there's also no accident that the series was interrupted for a subject called Father. And this was preached the day after my wife's father, his celebration of life service. So this was, she's listening remotely right now. And this is what's heavy on her heart right now is just that father. So God has everything in a divine timing. And Pastor Sappho was pastor for over 50 years. And because his children saw him study the word of God day after day. All three of his children are ministers. So one is a pastor and the other two are ministers. And he was teaching them, even though my wife is almost 50 years old, he was still teaching her up to the very day that he passed. He talked for 42 minutes that day teaching. So he just, even though she had her own household, being that father was in him. And he was still teaching his children up to the very day that he transitioned into glory. And that's how the heart of a father should be, that no matter how old your children get, you should still have your children on your heart. And he demonstrated that every day of his life. One of the principles of my father, he always brought his boys up. He said, because folk can see a sermon, then they can hear one. I want my sons to come down, James's children to come up. See, Elijah, any of yours here today? Have them, have them come down. Some of his are out of town working. Have her come down. This is the fruit. Gentlemen, if you ever come down, yes, all of you come on up. There is nothing accidental in life. I have such a strong belief in it. Stuff may have happened and started 100 and 200 years ago, but there's nothing accidental. Fruit is a result of something. Christian, you were on the piano, so just put on a track and come on up. And one of the principles there is these are the children of three brothers but it's way more than three children. What you do multiplies. You don't plant a seed and get a seed. You plant a seed and you get a whole tree. But it depends upon what you nurture and keep the weeds away from and nourish and prune. And I learned a lesson just in horticulture, just of pruning and I was with a farmer and they were showing how much they had to cut away from a tree to make it grow. I said, that's a lot of cutting. Sometimes God has to do a lot of cutting on us. It's the pruning process, but usually it takes a daddy to do that pruning, but it cuts. So I was just sensing from God just to bring down the fruit as these fathers stand here. And we got all good mothers but God says, when the fathers turn their hearts 
back to the children. Or else I will smite the earth with a curse. And just stretch your hands toward these as we pray over them. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these four men that have come, O oh Lord, bowing down before you, Lord. We thank you for loving them. Thank you for being an excellent father unto them, O oh Lord. We thank you for their renewed commitment right now, O oh Lord, to turn the hearts fully towards you, O oh Lord, to push back everything that may have taken priority over you at times, O Lord. We thank you for their desire to love you back, O Lord, as you've loved them, O Lord. And I pray, O Lord, that you'll touch them in the area of fatherhood. Those that are fathers, O Lord, I pray that you'll give them divine wisdom, O Father, that which they can't figure out in their own minds, O Lord. I pray, O Lord, that you'll speak divine inspirations unto them, O Lord, even as they sleep, O Lord, that you'll show them how to reach wayward children, how to mend broken relationships, O Lord, how to make up for lost time, O Lord, and those that will become fathers, O Lord. I pray, O Lord, that you'll allow them to be around men, O Father, that'll show them the way, O Lord, that you'll begin to speak unto their hearts, O Lord, even before their children are born, O Lord, that they'll be Begin to journal, O Lord, even things that they are to do for their children, O Lord. We thank you for these men, O Father, that will be shining lights of example unto our communities, O Lord, of what true fatherhood looks like, O Lord. Thank you for the submitted hearts unto you, O Lord, our Heavenly Father. And we just pray that we all become more like you, O Lord. Thank you for showing us how to love children. Thank you for showing us how to honor our own words, O oh Lord. For you're not a man that you should lie. That that which you speak, you shall perform. Let us operate in your image, O oh Lord. That that which we speak unto our children and to others, O oh Lord, that we'll be diligent to do whatever we say, O oh Lord. That we'll have integrity in our word. We pray, O oh Lord, that others will be able to trust us as we can trust you, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your men right now, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen, amen. Thank you for coming out to worship today. We appreciate you and love you so much. And... Uh, you're always on our hearts. We're always praying for you. We're grateful for you. You are a blessed people. You're a blessed people and God loves you dearly. He loves you much. And we're just grateful to be recipients of his grace. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this time of worship, fellowship, time to sit under your word. Thank you for speaking to us and sharing your heart with us as our Father. We thank you for family relationships. Thank you for the opportunity to 
improve our relationships and to love one another and to love our children and to forgive. We just thank you, Lord, for increase of the capacity of love in our hearts to know the true and the meaningful things of life. We thank you for your grace and your spirit and your anointing in us and upon us. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let every heart say amen. Amen. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. If you know a father who might benefit from this message, you can go to brothersoftheword.com and send it to them absolutely free of charge. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. Can I ask Father Pastor James to come and close us out today since it was kind of him who inspired me with this message as a father. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Father, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5945, that's 5945. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5945 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word.